The following sermon is by Manny Alaniz, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel in Northwest San Antonio, Texas. For more information, for prayer, or to support us financially, please visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Lift up your eyes and see the fields are ripe for the harvest. Let us prepare our hearts to hear God's truth through the preaching of his word, which begins with prayer. Let's pray together. Oh, loving God, shine within our hearts the true light of your divine knowledge and open the eyes of our minds that we may comprehend the message of your word. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Many, many will agree with me that these are desperate times for desperate people. Last week, the NCAA, the NCAA, that is the the National Collegiate Athletic Association, NCAA, nominated a transgender competitive swimmer as its Woman of the Year. A transgender competitive swimmer as its Woman of the Year. Now, we will recall what is a transgender, okay? And, and when we go through this, I do want to we're, we're going to talk about people that are real, the real people in this world, in, 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 in our country. Uh, and even though we may look at them as sinners, they are, and, and so are we. So bear with me as we go through this, but because this is a sensitive subject, very sensitive. But if you recall, what is a transgender? Well, a transgender is a person whose gender identity is different from the gender they were born with. Like, if a person, if a person is born a male, a male, later on this male, this transgender person may identify himself, and please bear with me if I get these words crossed, but may identify himself as a female. That's transgender and vice versa. Born a female, later on identify herself as a male, transgender. Okay, so now we have uh, a male athlete who identifies himself as a, as a transgender person, a transgender female, competitive swimmer. Now, in years before this transgender person, male, competed against other males. And he had a ranking across the nation with the NCAA. He was ranked 462nd in the nation. But he started competing as a female, a female. And he ended up being ranked number one 
number one in the nation. Even his own teammates protested, saying that he held an unfair advantage over competition in the women's in the women's in the women's category. Okay. Now, now many of us may look at this as not real, but it is real. It, it is it is what's going on in our world. It is what's going on in our society. It is really happening. It is what our kids and our kids' kids are facing. In other news, this week, the U.S. Congress passed a bill that overwrote the biblical definition of marriage as being one man and one woman. They passed a bill that prohibited anyone from denying the validity of marriage based on race or sex. Desperate times for desperate people. Uh, now, now, that bill still has to go through the Senate to get final approval. But whether it does or not is meaningless to to God, to, to God's followers. Again, these are, these are just a few things of much more that are going on in our world, in our society today. Listen, for many people throughout our nation, many people feel that the most important thing in their life is their freedom, their personal freedom personal freedom. That sounds great. Doesn't it sound great? The most important thing in your life is your personal freedom. Many people believe that, strongly hold to that. The freedom to choose the way they want to live. It's a personal freedom. This is the United States. We have freedoms here. The freedom to make the choices that we want to make. Freedom, freedom. Even if it's counter to, now here's where it gets a little extreme. Even if it's counter to genetics. Even if it's counter to biology, anatomy. Even if it's counter to physiology. Even if it's counter to religion, it, it doesn't matter. What matters to many people in this nation is this right to free the freedom to choose? I, you have that right to choose, to do whatever you want to do, even if it doesn't make any sense. Now, the problem with that is it can be extreme. It can be extreme. I mean, you, you can imagine how extreme this can get. Someone choosing to marry an animal. That's what I choose to do. I mean, that's an extreme, right? And we laugh at that. We think it's a little humorous. But some of this other stuff was kind of funny, too, at least at one time. And it's reality today. It's reality today. Desperate times for desperate people. It goes even further than that. And it shows you how desperate things are. Uh, in, in, the, in response to a survey during the pandemic, it was revealed that single non-religious 
single non-religious adults were reporting the highest level of depression and unhappiness since 1972. I started thinking, what happened in 1972? You're like, you know, what's going on then? But anyway, the highest level of unhappiness and, uh, and depression. Researchers explain that the young American adults have begun to take an extraordinary dim view of the world and of their lives. But then they added something that was interesting. They said that among these young people, among them who attended religious services twice a month, that level dropped to only 4% during the, during the pandemic, only 4%. And those who attended religious services once in a while, that level just raised up to five uh, 15%. So it was still less than those that did, not retain, that did not attend any type of religious service. And you can imagine the religious service they would attend in the U.S. that would be Christianity. Desperate times for desperate, depressed people. That's not anything new to this world. Desperate times for desperate and depressed people is not new to this planet. When Jesus walked this earth, he went through all the cities and villages healing people from their afflictions, diseases, illnesses, demon possession, depression, whatever their illnesses were, he healed them <clears throat> as he walked this planet. Our Lord dealt with desperate times and despondent and dejected people who were taking frantic measures to deal with their despair. <clears throat> Many would say that people today are doing the same thing. Our Lord Jesus Christ, he looked at those people back then as he looks at them today with compassion, compassion. That's why we have to have compassion. Saying, because they are harassed and helpless, they look like sheep without a shepherd. And he had compassion on them. That's what our passage is about today. The critical issue that our text is looking at is a contrast between the plentiful harvest and the lack or few laborers. Plentiful, few. Plentiful harvest, few laborers. And God, Jesus is making that contrast. Jesus Christ sends out his disciples into a desperate world to harvest his people. So as we look at this passage, we can break it down into three parts. <clears throat> that being who, I mean, what is the harvest? What is the harvest? And who are the laborers? Who are the laborers? And how do we respond to all this? 
How do we respond? That's one thing about the podium. I can have some water here. <laughs> so we start with what? What is the harvest? What is the harvest? Last week I spoke about the James Webb. What is the James Webb uh, Observatory? Right, it's an observatory. I want to say telescope or whatever, but that's an observatory out in deep space, so to speak. And how it has been capturing all these pictures of the multitude of planets and stars in our vast universe, the endlessness of the whole thing. Well, today, in our passage, our passage is talking about the abundance, the abundance, the plentifulness of the harvest, the harvest. Um, to give you an idea of what this is, uh, Jesus refers to the harvest in, in the Gospel of St. John chapter 4. He says this, he calls us to look up, to lift up our eyes, to lift up our eyes and see that the fields are white. The fields are white or ripe for the harvest. And, and what Jesus is telling us there is that we're always looking down or looking at ourselves or looking at our immediate, uh, immediate uh, life instead of just looking up and looking at the harvest out there that's ripe, that's ripe to be plucked, to be picked. Jesus is referring, when he talks about the harvest, the harvest is a metaphor, a metaphor for people, people's souls, people's souls, the souls of people. And Christ is calling us to look up and look at the harvest, look at the people's souls that are out there, they're ripe, ripe to hear, ripe and ready to hear what? The gospel message, the gospel message. Okay, they've not heard it, but they're right to hear it. Remember the time when you received Christ. You may have, for me personally, it was I'd heard it in the past. It was meaningless, but there was a time when I was ripe, ripe and ready to hear it, and it happened. I was plucked by Christ himself, by, by the Holy Spirit himself. And that's what we're talking about. That the people by the power of the Holy Spirit, the harvest, the harvest are the people out there in the planet, in the world that are plentiful. Now, it doesn't include all the world, but he's talking about the harvest that is ripe to be plucked and brought in to the dominion of the kingdom of God, brought in to, as, to, to be included, as inclusion to the kingdom of God. And how does that happen? By hearing the gospel message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, through faith in Jesus Christ. That is what's going on here. That is what Christ is talking about when he, when he refers to the, to the harvest. But see, when Jesus walked this earth, he was a single person. He was a, a single human being. He was a man. He walked this earth and he went around city to city sharing the good news, healing people and doing what he was doing, but he was just a single person. So he's getting his disciples ready to send them out to the world so they can cover the entire planet. 
cover the entire to go out to the harvest, which is the global, which is global. So what does Christ need to get this accomplished? He needs laborers. He needs laborers. Who are those laborers? Those laborers are his disciples, his learners, his students that are learning and walking with him and growing with him and understanding what's going on in their walk with Christ. The laborers are the ones who spread the gospel message. See, that is the big, think about this. It's, it's incredible how God designed it that way. He designed it so, so we, as his disciples, we as his people, can verbally go to other people and share the message of the gospel. Now, we know that God's the one who saves. He's the one that gives grace. He's the one that opens our minds, our hearts, to hear it, to be to be born again, to be converted. That's what Jesus tells Nicodemus. You can't be born again. You can't, you can't even see the kingdom unless you're born from above. That's true. It's all about God. But the amazing thing about God and how he works, because God is amazing, he can use brokenness, yes, brokenness like me and you, to share the message, to share the message. We don't want to share the message, do we? We're reluctant to share the message. We got it. It's gold. Oh, I'll share it with my kids, maybe. But we're called to do it. And it's designed that way by God, designed that way by God, to go out to the world, to go out to the harvest. Paul speaks about this. The apostle speaks about the harvest and, the, and calling upon the Lord, calling upon Christ in Romans 10. Paul writes this in Romans 10. Listen to what he says. He says, how then will they call on him, call on him, Christ, in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him? of whom they have not heard. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent, sent, sent into the harvest, sent into the world, sent sent into the harvest. So who, who then are the laborers? Who then are these laborers that are being sent into the harvest, that are bringing forth the good news? When I was growing up, I grew up in, in a little town right outside of Corpus Christi on a farm. My dad was a farmhand. So were his brothers. So is his dad, my grandpa. And when the harvest came in, we harvested cotton. Now, I was young, yay big, five, six at the most. I remember going out to the harvest, to the cotton fields. I went out there to play. Everyone was out there. My mom, my aunts, cousins, uncles, grandpa, everybody, dad. We all had a sack that, was, that we put over our shoulder, kind of. It was white. I remember that. It was long. It extended. Like, we put it over our shoulder to sack, extended a long way back, and we just kind of drug it on the ground. We drug it. And we went to the cotton fields picking cotton. 
Just picking and filling up that big old set, long sack. Well, you can imagine a five-year-old out there playing half the time, being called and say, hey, get to work, get to work, quit goofing around, go, go, pick cotton, come on, go, 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 we gotta go, and everybody's way up there, way up there, way behind. I'm having a hot, I got tired. I started crying to my mom, who was there picking cotton. And she says, I just stay, just go by, stay by the car. Just stay, wait for us. So I put my sack down and I looked up. Oh, God. The harvest was beyond anything I could see. I couldn't see the end of it. It was all white. It was beyond, we're never going to finish. I'm never going to go home. That's what I saw. It was bountiful. It was plentiful. And that's what we're being told here today. Yeah, we're being told that the, the, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The laborers in my family, entire family, were few. But we were out there, out there in our text. There is that contrast, the contrast between the abundance of souls that are ripe for the, plick, for the plucking and the lack or the few laborers to do the task, to do the task. So who are these laborers? Well, the laborers are Jesus' disciples when he's talking to them. They are the laborers. They are the ones that are going to go out to the world with this message, the gospel, kingdom message to deliver to the world of eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. Does that sound like you? Does that sound like you? Now, many of you would say, no, wait a minute, Manny, wait. That is a pastor's obligation. Now, that's not, I mean, I'm just coming, I'm just happy to come here on Sunday. I've been making Zoom Bible studies sometimes, but going out there as a laborer, that is the ministry stuff. Well, guess what? It is a church function, but you're in the ministry. You're all in the ministry. You are, are all of us are laborers. And we're all tasked to go forth into the harvest as a church, together, and by ourselves, because we're not all together all the time. And you run into people, you run into the people who belong to the harvest that you may not know. How do you know? Yeah, how do you know someone, okay, oh this person's gonna be safe? How do you know? Well, I just know. He's a good guy. Nice guy. So let me share the gospel with this guy. But I'm not going to share it with that guy. You guy's an idiot. You know, so how do you know? You share with everyone. You are the laborer. You are commanded to share, to harvest, to go out to the world into the harvest and harvest the souls of men and women. That's right, the souls of men and women. The souls of people are at stake here. They're at stake. And it is more than just the job of the pastor. It is your job. It is our job together. So then how do you, how do we respond? How do we respond to this? Well, you, you remember a few weeks ago, you may have seen it on social media, just a few weeks ago. A guy went to the drive-thru at a Mexican restaurant to get some tacos. Really, he was getting tacos. He wasn't getting burgers. He was getting tacos. Okay. So he drives up and he orders his tacos. 
and he's at the drive-through and he's waiting for his order to come and he looks over there and he sees rats coming out from under rats so i don't know if it's he or she but gets everybody got their camera right there ready to go and he or she records it records the rats and what does this person do of course puts it on his social media it goes viral reports it to the proper authorities and guess what this restaurant does? They take immediate action and shut down. Their immediate action was to shut down. They had to shut down. They stopped. Their immediate action was to stop. Well, in answering the question, what are you, what are we to do now that we know that the harvest is plentiful, we are to respond with immediate action immediately like right now this is immediate like not next week we can think about oh yeah that's right man he preached about that hey maybe i should do something maybe i should take some action no it's an immediate it means like right now we are to take immediate action because there's wickedness everywhere rats are everywhere there's souls at stake here These are desperate times for desperate people who need true hope. And the only hope that they can get is in Christ our Lord. It is all about him. And so what do we do? We're called to take immediate action. We respond by taking immediate action. Now, some of you, I know, are doers. I mean, they'll go out and do it. Just get out of my way. You're in my way. I got to go do this. I got to go do that. I got to go do this. I got to take action. But what does Christ say to do first? What does God call us to do first? In verse 38, we are told that we have to begin with prayer. Jesus says, pray. Yet, even as a Christian, we know we are to, to, you know, to pray about everything. Pray without ceasing. Pray, you know, inquire of the Lord about everything. There, there are things that actions we take that we just say, I'm going to do this then. Or I'm going to make this decision instead of inquiring of the Lord, praying to the Lord. And Jesus here is telling us, pray. Your immediate action is to pray. And he even tells us what to pray for. More laborers. That the Lord of the harvest will send out more laborers. Well, guess who the more laborers are or is? You, me, and many others throughout the world. Pray. Jesus says pray earnestly. In the Greek, it is del omi or del omai, which emphasizes, get this, the, the Greek emphasizes beg to beg, beseech God to send out more laborers. Why? Because more laborers are needed. And because of your reluctancy, because of your reluctancy to be a laborer. Let me just think about that for a few weeks to a few months to a few years. No, no, it says now, pray. Pray that God can equip you to go out into the harvest.
pray. Pray for wisdom. Pray for discernment. Pray for guidance. Pray. See, you can do it. Everybody here at St. Stephen's Temple can do it. All you got to do is go talk to them about Jesus. They're going to want to know more. Some will not respond. Keep going. They may not be ripe. Others will. Ask them to come to church with you. Ask them to come to Bible study with you. Tell, call Manny. Call, call Jordan. We can have a Bible study at your church if you gather a group for us. At your house. I said your church, right? At your house. This is getting into the harvest. Souls are at stake here. This is the way God intended it to be, to use you. See, we're too busy focused on how poor things are for us, how, how golly, things are bad, and I'm just fighting this, and I'm fighting that, and I'm fighting this, and I'm fighting that. I'm depressed here. I'm desperate here. And, just, and get your mind off yourself and put it on somebody else. Put it on the Lord and your neighbors and your neighbors. Oh, God commands us. To pray, to pray for more laborers. Your response, our response, is to start off with prayer. To the Lord of the harvest, and guess who that is? To Christ. He is the Lord of the harvest. To take action, which begins with prayer. Listen, our harvest, the harvest, the harvest, is right around your house. It's right around your neighborhood. It's your neighbors who you don't know. Do you know the name of your neighbor? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I have the one across the street. Anyway, it starts with the harvest starts there. And it goes out to your neighborhood, the hood. And it goes out to the city. It goes out to the state. It goes out to the country. It goes out to the world. That's the harvest. It goes out to the world. There are many people that are out there. Many laborers are out there. We hear about the ones that are in other countries. We hear about it. We prayed about it today. Jordan prayed about it. There are millions of Muslims coming to Christ because there are laborers out there sharing the gospel with them. That is true reality. You think you have it tough. For a Muslim to become a Christian, they have to fear getting killed. Their own family. This is the mentality, okay, of the Muslim people. If, if one of their loved ones is going to become a Christian, if they're able to kill that loved one before they're baptized, in their eyes, they're saving their loved one. So they'll try to kill him or her. That's how serious this is. They're putting their life on the line to become a Christian. And so have you. So have you. You've put your life on the line, your eternal life. But it, you, so you think it, you have it hard. You don't have it hard. We have it easy here. Because the harvest is here too. It's not just in other countries. It's here. Eventually those other countries are going to send missionaries. To, to, they're already doing it. Other countries south of the border are sending missionaries to the United States to, to share the gospel. That's how bad it's getting in our country. Because we don't want to share. We don't want to be the laborers. That's what we're called to do.
So what do we need to hear when we go through a passage like this? Well, the purpose of this passage was to more than encourage you or anyone else who's listening that these are desperate times. And desperate times require desperate measures. That in these desperate times, there is hope. And our only hope, your only hope, is in Christ. Our Lord is in Christ. Now, some of us have received Christ a little. And we don't even say we know him. But we don't want to inconvenience ourselves. You know, I put Christ where he needs to be in his proper place. And I get everything else in my life, and I got everything else under control, you think. Well, first of all, you're his, the Lord's proper place is high and lifted up in all his glory. And our proper place is in submission to him. And by that, we are glorified and blessed by him. That is our hope. You are, are not alone if you're not in Christ. There's a whole harvest throughout the world that need him and need to hear that message of the gospel, need to hear the gospel message. So if you are not in Christ, the time today for you is to answer that call. Answer it. You're hearing it. Answer that call. Now, if you're in Christ, you are called by Christ to be laborer, to be a laborer, to be a disciple, and to go out into it to his harvest, which is plentiful. Plentiful. Because the laborers are few, and the souls, the souls of many are great. You know. I'm talking about. There's no need to ponder. Start with prayer and go from there. Let us pray. Gracious Father, we do thank you for the love that you've been listening to Manny Alanese, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel. For more information about our church, visit our website at stephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Please join us prayerfully and financially as we seek to glorify God by preaching his word and spreading the gospel of grace in boldness and selflessness.